welcome to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast with your host, Jim Robinson. Hello, and welcome back to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Robinson. And today we're going to be talking about a fun project that we did during the 2019 crop year where we did a corn rootworm beetle monitoring project. Basically, in this project, we found a lot of really fun results. Most importantly of which, we found a control measure that reduced the adult beetle emergence by 40% relative to other control measures. Here with me today to talk about the project is our agronomy manager, Wayne Fithian. Wayne, welcome back. Yeah, good afternoon, Jim. Good to see you again. You're getting to be a regular on the show. How about that? Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) It is a lot of fun. So, Wayne, can you tell me a little bit about the rationale of this project? Well, we, we wanted to do several things, Jim. First of all, we wanted to help our customers understand how much corn rootworm beetle activity they had in their cornfields. Uh, beetle activity is important for two reasons. Number one, it, it uh, looking back, it tells you how many beetles, how many corn rootworm beetles survived uh, as uh, larvae and fed on the corn roots in a cornfield. Looking forward, it tells you how many corn rootworm or what the corn rootworm pressure is going to be next year because those beetles are going to be there laying eggs. And if you're trapping beetles during the peak, you've got a good idea of what your egg or larval population is going to be next spring. So we kind of wanted to look at two ways, you know, how much pressure did we have in the fields? How much pressure could we think about next year? And really, mostly it was to help our our customers understand how to manage corn rootworm and the risks of corn rootworm by field in certain geographies. Absolutely. Yeah, this was a, a project that uh, I, I know you and the product evaluation leads had a lot of fun setting up, and then the DSRs had a lot of fun executing on. Now, where all did the project come from, the data sets that, that were collected, and when did it run during the summer? Well, we, we really we started this project in 2018. We had uh, some of our sales folks that we're trying to really understand, especially in Minnesota, southern Minnesota, northern Iowa, what kind of uh, pressure they could expect in first-year corn due to extended diapause of uh, northern corn rootworm species. And and uh, so they put out some traps, and we learned some neat things about uh, where, where we had corn rootworm, corn on corn versus corn on soybeans. And so we decided in 2019 to expand that project out. And we pretty much covered the Corn Belt, or at least our footprint in the Corn Belt. We had traps as far north as nearly Fargo. Uh, We had traps over around the Quad Cities and from there west to the Nebraska-Colorado line. And certainly we were well well presented with traps in the southeast, south-central Nebraska area and over into central Iowa. Absolutely. And, and now, when were the traps put out in order to capture the most beetles? Well, we tried to time the trap deployment. We trapped for three weeks in each of the geographies where we placed a trap. So we were in 87 different fields, and we had traps in those 87 fields that we, we uh, checked and replaced three times. So we trapped over a three-week period. And when we started, depended a little bit on where those fields were on a south to north uh, uh, latitude because what we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that we captured the, the peak of the beetle flight. And of course, the corn rootworm beetles start flying earlier in the fuller season, warmer geographies to the south and, and much later in the cooler early season maturity areas to the north. Absolutely. And now corn rootworm, they, because they evolved along with corn or corn's progenitors, they, they grow and develop on a heat unit scale very similar to that of corn, correct? Yeah, that's right. So you can really kind of start thinking about uh, how, when, when my corn rootworm beetles might hatch based on, you know, what we know about uh, 
uh, heat unit accumulation in the spring, but also what happened after eggs were laid last fall. So how warm and how an extended of a fall we had uh, this year. We didn't have a real warm extended fall, so I think we're probably the, the, the fall side is going to be about average in the effect on what we see next spring, and and we're yet to see what our spring weather is like. And so we'll time again because we're going to do this again. We're going to get traps out in the field again, and we'll we'll again time that based on uh, what we see this spring in terms of weather. Yeah. Now to further set the stage, to, to just give us a picture in our mind of what of what our DSRs and our business associates were seeing in the field, what did these traps look like? Where do you put them in the field? Where do you put them on the plant? Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about everything there. Okay. All of our traps went into cornfields. Some were first year corn. Uh, many, the majority were second or more year corn. So fields that have been continuous corn for two years or longer. Uh, we try to put the traps right about in the ear zone. They're just a sticky trap. They don't have any bait or any pheromone on them, so they catch the beetles that run into them. Mm -hmm. And then they hold those beetles until you can get there at the end of the week and count them up, right? They have a nice grid. And I found these traps. I just just did an internet search on... uh, Corn rootworm sticky traps, and they're available at lots of different farm farm retail type merchandise stores in the area, and so they're not a hard thing to get. And we just tried to put them in the ear zone. If you were putting them in a soybean field to see what kind of uh, potential you have for western variant corn rootworm that lay eggs in soybeans, uh, we haven't trapped any of those yet, at least in the traps that we've had out. Uh, then you'd want to put them a little bit above the soybean canopy. Kind of, you think again about what ear height might be so that as they come into that soybean field, they run into that trap and it holds them and then you can catalog them. Absolutely. So after these traps were counted in the field, you tallied up and worked with the product evaluation leads to tally up the, the different counts. What insights did you gain off of these uh, these traps? Well, we we uh, we did we did several cuts on the data. The first thing we looked at was uh, what what kind of what was the corn rootworm species we caught, and we caught nearly four times more uh, western corn rootworm beetles than we caught northern corn rootworm beetles. So predominantly, the fields we were trapping in were populated by a majority western corn rootworm. Uh, that's important because uh, the northern is the species that has the extended diapause. So mm-hmm. that's where you got to think about how much northern do I have here and, and whether or not it's going to be risk for me in corn following soybeans two years from now, right? Yes. Uh, we, uh, we then also, in addition to looking at that, we looked at how many beetles we caught by week so that we could see whether or not we had sampled uh, the right part of the beetle flight. Mm-hmm. And uh, we felt like we did a pretty good job of capturing uh, the peak. We we also looked at, you know, what what the field was. So was it first year corn? Was it second or more year corn? And how did the results vary between first year corn, uh, corn followed by beans, or another crop? Uh, what did we see there? Well, Jim, what we found was that where we had corn following soybeans, we had dramatically fewer beetles compared to a corn following corn. So corn following corn on the average had 10 times the beetle catch that we had in corn following soybeans. And and we had some of those locations where we had that really good, uh, you know, rootworm pressure where we compared more than one control strategy, kind of what you referenced in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so just a quick note on the the corn following soybeans that that there were definitely beetles there, and that that makes a lot of sense because you have to get beetles into uh, beetles in to lay eggs in corn following corn to build up pressure over the following years. You're not just going to immaculately create eggs in there in some years. So yeah, be, uh, beetles will fly 
to those uh, uh, cornfields. And in what our counts, that's right, Jim, and what our count said was that we had very low numbers of beetles when we had corn following soybeans. So probably what we were getting was just those few that were flying into the field, mm-hmm. as opposed to having a situation where rootworm had been there either due to extended diapause of the northern species or the western variant that lays eggs in soybeans. So we didn't see high enough beetle numbers in our first-year corn fields mm-hmm. uh, to feel like we were at risk from those two. So rotation in the fields where we were uh, sampling was doing a nice job of controlling corn rootworm and keeping the numbers low enough that you might have a little bit of rootworm in your uh, in your next corn crop if you were going to go back to corn uh, but not uh, not economic threshold levels. But on an individual field, that would have to be monitored uh, in order to be sure. Absolutely. So, so what I'm hearing you say is that of the different uh, control measures, which I'll ask you to explain what those were uh, in a moment, but of the different control measures for corn rootworm, rotation was actually the best, if, uh, if not among the best. Well, rotation, yeah, did a great job in, in the fields we sampled uh, where we were in first-year corn. It, it uh, We were less than, uh, we were well less than a beetle a day a trap, so that was uh, under the economic threshold level by quite a bit. That's right. Yeah. What other control measures uh, were represented within this data set, and how would they compare? So some of the, some of the locations that we trapped, we had a comparison of, of more than one control strategy. So we compared mostly AgriSure Duracade, because that was part of why we wanted to do this, the, the uh, trap project, was mm-hmm. to get a clear indication of, of how Duracade was performing relative to other control strategies. And uh, so we compared AgriSure Duracade to, uh, in, in one location, a conventional hybrid with an insecticide. Most of the locations where we had a comparison, it was to other traits. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the time, those other traits were a dual mode of action trait. So like a Herculex uh, Extra, uh, in one case, few cases, most of them were smart stacks or Acromax Extremes. So two modes of action against corn rootworm. Um, and uh, as is Duracade, mm-hmm. AgriSure Duracade is two modes of action against court rumors. So the most of our locations is a real nice head-to-head comparison of what a farmer might experience if he's planting dual mode of action corn rootworm traits. Excellent. How did Duracade compare to these other uh, control measures? Well, averaged across all of those other control measures, we captured 40% fewer so nearly half the number of beetles in the, in the AgriSure Duracade compared to the other uh, trait packages that we compared it to. So Duracade was doing a really nice job, well, of, of controlling the corn rootworm. The other traits were doing pretty good too, but Duracade definitely rose to the top in our data set in terms of how it did at controlling corn rootworm. Absolutely. Being one of the newest traits on the market and uh, expressed at a high level with high efficacy, you'd expect that it would be up there among uh, the others, if not a little bit better. So that's really fun to see. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, you said you know, we, that in this data, we compared several different control measures. Were these in field situations, strip trials? How would they work? And if they were strip trials, you know, what kind of confidence can you have in doing these in strip trials? Well, we, we had a few that were done in strip trials, and uh, we kind of threw them out of the data set, actually. So uh, while we had uh, 87 fields we started with, we only had 72 of them that we used in the analysis and part of that was because if you put a beetle trap in a, tr- in, a in a plot, you really don't know what you learned. Uh, you, you've got, in, in at least the plots where we had it out in, we had some hybrids that were carrying only let protection, so no corn rootworm trait, other hybrids that were single or double mode of action. So you really didn't know 
in terms of understanding the field, what was going on. And so our suggestion, if you want to sample in a field where there's a plot, don't put the trap in the plot. Put it, you know, 40 or 50 rows away from the plot in the field so that you get a good understanding of the background rootworm pressure in that field and not interference from the different types of uh, trait strategies that might be in that plot. Now, why would you expect interference from the different trait strategies within the plot if you have a four-row plot or six-row plot, even an eight-row plot? Well, you know, beetles fly, and uh, what we saw was that Agrisher Duracade was definitely uh, influencing the number of beetles that we trapped, uh, even relative to other dual mode of action traits or other types of control strategies. So if you had a Duracade hybrid there, and your, your trap was close to that Duracade hybrid, you would get a lower than uh, a lower beetle count than what you would truly expect in the field. Just like if you had a hybrid that contained no corn rootworm tra- uh, type of technology, but the field was planted to a hybrid that, that had a, con- a corn rootworm control trait, you would, un- you would overestimate the beetle pressure in that field or the amount of larvae that survived and fed because you're non-protected hybrid would have released more beetles, so to speak, into the canopy uh, as they finish their feeding and pupated. Absolutely, absolutely. So if a farmer wanted to replicate our, our uh, project that we did here, where might they find more information on, on the way we ran our trials and uh, what our results may be so that they could try to replicate it in their own fields? Yeah, Jim, we, we do have a study summary that we put together on the results of our trapping effort. Uh, we do we have both from, from what we did in 2018 and what we did in 2019, and those are available under the agronomy tab at robseco.com. Mm-hmm. in uh, special projects. So go to robseco.com, go to agronomy, and then go to special project, projects and look for the uh, two study summaries on the corn rootworm beetle effort. Uh, we plan to repeat it again in 2020, and we plan to try and get uh, even more of our trap locations where we can compare control strategies. That's one of our objectives because we, we think we've we provided our customers with, with good information on their individual fields. We provided our uh, our business associates with good information in terms of understanding of corn rootworm risk in their geographies. And we, we've also provided some really nice data on, on the advantage of AgriSure Duracade for corn rootworm control compared to other trait technologies that are available. So we'll be repeating it. And, and another place I would encourage growers to, uh, to another way to talk to us about this information is to talk to us because uh, our, our, uh, Direct sales reps will be looking for people they can work with for trapping in 2020, and uh, we'd love to talk to you. Absolutely, yeah. So just to summarize everything we've gone over today, uh, our product evaluation leads, our DSRs, and our BAs got together to put traps out into fields with featuring different control measures of corn rootworm. Uh, we looked at those and found that basically the best control measure is rotation. The fewest number of beetles emerge uh, in a year following soybeans versus years following corn. And among those control measures in corn on corn, uh, AgriSure Duracade results in 40% fewer beetles emerging compared to other control measures. And if you want to find more information about this, you can check our website at robseco.com, as well as social media where we will have posted uh, links to this study. And otherwise, thank you so much, Wayne, for joining us. Thank you, Jim. I'm your host, Jim Robinson, and until next time, stay field ready. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. Join us next time to be field ready. A Parkville Media Production.